Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. And there's no place I would rather be on a Sunday night than in the house of God. I like what Brother Nate Whitley said this week, and we notice it, and I I know it's been going on for a while, but it it bothers me when churches are canceling services. It bothers me. Because the Word said, assemble yourself more together. It, it, It bothers me that churches are getting together less, and we wonder why there's no apostolic authority and power anymore. I'm excited to see there's still some people in Mount Carmel that believe in getting together. That you draw power and unity in the house of God. Nehemiah 4 and 1, it says, But it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we built the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews and spake before his brethren in the army of Samaria and said, What? do these feeble Jews will they fortify themselves will they sacrifice will they make an end in a day will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned (laughs) said Samuela got mad whenever he looked at God's people trying to do a work trying to build a city and posed the question mockingly saying what are they going to do? Can they do it? Tonight I come to encourage this church family. There will be a city. You didn't hear me. I said there will be a city because God's people are ready to start building a city here in Mount Carmel unto the glory of God. Would you raise your hands with me and ask God's blessing. Lord we love you. We praise you and worship you tonight. We pray Lord that you would let a heavy anointing rest upon this place right now. I pray Lord that you would put purpose put passion inside of us tonight. Lord let us burn for you in your word in this house tonight. God is will be sure to give you praise and honor and glory. I wonder if you would lift up a praise from this house unto the throne room of God right now. Let him know God I want to build a city for you. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Satan understands one thing about the church. He understands something that many of us do not understand. He understands how short of a time we have left. I think a lot of people in the apostolic ranks think that we have millenniums to come to get ready for Jesus' return. But I believe with everything that within me that there won't be many generations that pass away from now before Jesus steps out on the clouds of glory and says time shall be no more. I believe Jesus is coming back soon. 
And Satan knows it. And so he's going to fight. He's going to bicker. He's going to argue with you and try to get you to concede and try to get you to give up. But somebody in this place tonight needs to look at your adversary and say it may look like an uphill battle right now. But there's going to be a city on the inside of me that the walls are going to be erected. And there's going to be a praise that rises up from the inside of me. I'm telling you, Satan, there. There will be a city. Yesterday, as we got in and got settled and realizing I left my adapter at the campground and thank you to Pastor and Sister McGee for taking us today and getting the adapter we needed for our trailer. I told Pastor today as we walked into Walmart, you know that heavenly anointed place. I said, man, I tell you what, I'm not one of these people that want to go back to the old time ways. Because when we walked into Walmart and I felt air conditioned, I was thankful. Took us in there, took care of it. Yesterday as we got here and got settled in, we got out and we rode down the road and we were going to get a bite to eat and we went into a restaurant just right down the road here and lady that was waiting on us, she was very kind and we began to talk and, and I don't know how she knew this but she asked, she said, where are you guys from? <laughs> I don't know how she figured that one out. <laughs> God, God's blessed us tremendously. I'll tell you this, uh, God's opened up a door here in just about two weeks We've been asked to go preach the general conference for the Assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ in Canada. And, and when, we got the, when we got the phone call for it, and the man said, we, your name was brought up and voted unanimously to, to come preach our general conference. I asked him, I said, did you tell him I talk funny? I think that's the only reason they're bringing me in. So they can laugh the whole conference. But I told them last year, they picked on me about saying y'all the whole time. And I picked on them about saying hey after everything. I said, it's okay. In North Carolina, we say in both. I said, we always yell, hey, y'all. But as we sit in that restaurant yesterday, a waitress said, where are you guys from? I said, we're from North Carolina. She said, what in the world are you doing in Mount Carmel? I don't know why this is such a tourist area. And I said, we're here to preach for a pastor here in town. And she said, what church is it? And I said, First Apostolic Church, just right up the road. She said, we know where that is. She said, in fact, my husband's been wanting to check that church out. She said, I, I, I just, I, I feel like that this might be a place we could go. And, and, and man, I was starting to get excited. And then she made a comment to me. She said, the reason my husband wants to go to the Apostolic Church, you're going to like this. She said, because he feels like it will be closest related to his Catholic background. You know what I did? I said, I can see that. Let me tell you something. The days of the apostolic church being an unknown entity is past. 
It's time for some apostolics. It don't matter where they come from and what their background is. It's time for us to get proud of what God has made us and who we are and tell the world there will be a city. There will be a church. We're not backing down. We're not giving up. We're going to have revival. We're going to see souls saved. It is coming in Jesus' name. I told her, I said, just last month, I was in Krakow, Poland, 98% Catholic. 98%. The other 2% aren't other Christians. That's everybody. I'm talking about that's everybody. That's agnostics, that's unbelievers, that's atheists. 2% of the country. Now, some of them couldn't tell you where their mass is. But they're Catholic. I sit in a Bible study with our missionary, Brother Adams, and watched as a man said, I see Jesus' name baptism. But, listen to me, said, but I'm Polish. That's not for me. I was thinking as I was over there, I'm like, God, you have threw this country boy from the hills of North Carolina into something that I completely do not understand. I'm like, I do not understand this at all. And just as I was thinking that, that gentleman looked at Brother Adams and pointed to me and said, I was wondering if you would have your preacher friend get up at our Catholic concert this week and take about five minutes and talk to the Catholic people about praise and worship and what it means to praise God. And I'm thinking, oh, buddy, you have messed with the wrong one now. I stood in front of about 200 Catholic people and said the words of Paul, I would that men everywhere would lift up holy hands unto the Lord and I begin to watch as about a hundred Catholics slipped their hands in the air and wasn't praising Mary but they were praising Jesus I'm telling you there are people that are hungry for a move of God but we've got to be willing to build a city you may be seated there was five questions that Sanballat mockingly asked the Samarians. But we're going to answer them tonight. <laughs> you may have been joking, but we ain't joking. Ain't nobody got time for that. It's time for us to get serious about building God a kingdom. Because if we won't, who will? We've left it up to the Baptists too long. I'm not crossing ministerial ethics tonight, but I'm telling you, we've left it up to denomination way too long. First question he asked, what do these feeble Jews the very first question would throw most people off because I have met men and women that have been in apostolic faith all of their life and still don't know what they're doing. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh -huh. 
I'm telling you, man, your pastor knows just as good as anybody. You don't know what you're walking into when you walk into a new church. I walked in, walked in one place. I preached my guts out that night. As I was walking out, this little old lady looked at me, and this was her words of wisdom to me. She said, you know, when you came in tonight, I didn't expect too much. Some of you felt the same way this morning. <laughs> Don't lie. <laughs> said, but I really enjoyed your preaching. She said, it moved me. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, that's funny. I ain't seen no movement out of you the entire service. We become so accustomed to the terminology and the rhetoric of being apostolic that we don't understand our purpose. Understand that your purpose, being apostolic, is not to dance, shout, and run the aisles, but your purpose in being apostolic is to go save your world and turn it upside down. The reason why God filled you with the Holy Ghost is not so that you can speak in tongues like a Chinese chimp, but it's so you can love a world that didn't love you back. What is your purpose? What do they? <laughs> you know, there's a reason why he called them feeble Jews. It's because when you don't know what your purpose is, you're weak. I don't care if you're sitting in a church of 5,000. If you have 5,000 people that don't know who they are, You've got nothing more than a social club. But give me two or three. Give me two or three saints of God that can move heaven when they pray. And I'll show you a revival that will shake the gates of hell. I don't care how many you have and how many you don't have. As long as you know your purpose, God's going to set you on fire and consume your city. Do you know your purpose? Do you know what you've been called to? I like the feeling in the church. I like the chills I get. <laughs> I like the chills too. I don't like being hot. But that ain't why I come to church. The reason why I come to church tonight is because I know that tomorrow when I wake up and I'm not standing behind this pulpit, there's a devil that is standing on the brink of my life saying, do you know who you are? Do you know your purpose? 
It's not Sunday anymore. You're not evangelist David Bridges anymore. It's not Sunday. It's Monday morning. You're just like everybody else. You're not worshiping with 50, 60 other saints. Who are you when you get up in the morning and nobody's there to pat you on the back and pray for you? Who are you then? You better know your purpose because your purpose is more than just a Sunday and a Wednesday ritual. But your purpose is to reach the world and let somebody know the same God that changed me is the same God that'll change you. Do you know your purpose? Second question he asked. Will they fortify themselves? In other words, this is going to be good right here. I like this. I just, I just thought of this. Thank you, God. He saw walls going up and still asked if they would fortify themselves. Which lets me know that there's a lot of people building walls. But if they don't put them where they need to be and they don't build them high enough and they don't build them strong enough all you're doing is practicing masonry. But if you're going to put it in a sure place and you're going to build it strong enough to stand you know what? If you build your wall strong enough and high enough it's going to be real reluctant to you to be able to move it. We need some boundaries in our life that are so strong and so fortified that when we get upset, we know that they're so strong, we're not going to move them. It's too much effort. I'm not going to complain about my holiness and about my clothing because it's strong enough to protect me. It's strong enough to keep me. We're still apostolic. Understand that when you begin to move landmarks, you cause landslides. Because when you remove foundation, you make unstable ground. I don't want my family being raised in a church with unstable foundation. I'm telling you, I am. I, I, I understand that Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I understand that those are all great forms of outreach, and they can be used for good. And and man, I try my best, very best to use them for good and to to progress the gospel. But I tell you what, it turns my stomach to get on social media. And see men that are preaching our conferences. Who will preach holiness straight down the line. And yet when they post pictures of little Bobby. And little Susie on vacation. It is a direct violation. Of what they just preached to you and I. What I'm preaching right now bishop. 
ought to be what I'm preaching when I'm 70 years old. It's too late in the game to be moving boundaries and about fortifying ourselves. We got to build it up and we got to be strong. And it starts with our children. May be seated. You know, it's funny to me that most churches have the mentality of Saul. When David came to Saul and said, let me fight him. He said, you're but a youth. Listen to what he then says about Goliath. But he's been a warrior from his youth. So it's okay for the world to start training them. It's okay for the world to start indoctrinating their children. But it's wrong for the apostolics to do it. Come on, somebody better wake up. The reason why the Bible said Israel had no sons was because Israel went training their children with stars. We need to put up some boundaries for our children and make them walk in the love of God. Third question he asked. Here it comes. Man, we can shout and dance about boundaries. But will they sacrifice? Ooh, those boundaries look good. But when the boundaries are set, what are you doing inside of them? Will they sacrifice? How far are they willing to go to make sure that what's going on on the inside is going to affect what's on the outside? After camp meeting, after camp meeting, after camp meeting, I watch as young men and women and adults shout, dance, and praise God because they're at camp. And then go to their home churches. I'm not preaching about y'all. I'm just here. A lot of people think that I come to preach. You just happen to be the church I'm fellowshipping with this weekend. Go home and don't have any form of worship. Book of 1 Samuel tells us that when the Ark of the Covenant came back into the camp of Israel, said that there was shouting and dancing and praising God going on in the camp. It's what they did. Because God was coming in the camp. reason why we shouted and danced all over the place this week was because God came into the camp. Nobody's going to deny that. But this is what happened differently. That the shout and the dance didn't stay in the camp. But when the sound of the shout came without the camp, the Philistines begin to worry because they understood something that what was going on inside the camp was going to affect what's going on outside the camp. What we've got to start doing is not praising God in the four walls of this sanctuary, but never let it flow outside. But we need to sacrifice. And when we're in public, we still need to be apostolic. We still need to be holy. We still need to be righteous. 
We got to go all in. You may be seated. <laughs> Buy the truth. Sell it not. Don't even rent it out. Don't even put it on the market. Somebody might buy it and live better than you. I'm willing to sacrifice my family on the altar of God above anything else. Today as we were riding with Trevor, he was talking about Legos. Among the other 900 things he talked about <laughs> on the way to the restaurant. I'm talking about you, buddy. You can go back to playing now. And I asked him, I said, I said, have you ever, have you gotten to go to Legoland yet? Oh, buddy, I sparked it then. It's like starting a weed eater motor. <laughs> I said it just so happened that we were down in Florida last August, which is a bad idea altogether. That statement should never, ever be uttered. I was in Florida in August. Don't do it. So we started Hannah's schooling while we were in Florida last year, and her very first field trip of the year was to Legoland. Now, I, I know a lot of kids would love that. Hannah ain't never played with a Lego in her life. She, she just knew there was rides there. I love the expression on her face when we get to do things like that. She gets, she gets field trips and vacations all over the United States and getting ready to go out of the country for the very first time. And, and, and God is blessed, because, not because of money, but because of ministry. Understand that when you begin to sacrifice, God will bless it. That was free. I love to see her face when she gets to do special things like that. But I've got a picture on my phone right now that I would not trade. I would not trade it for Disney World. I would not trade it for any theme park. I wouldn't trade it for any attraction. I wouldn't trade it for any amount of money. There's a picture on my phone of my little girl just a couple weeks ago at Ohio camp with her arms wrapped around her and tears rolling down her face praying unto a God that delivers everything she'll ever need in her life. I'm telling you, I'm willing to sacrifice vacations. I'm willing to sacrifice trips out of the country to make sure my family is in the house of God I'm willing to sacrifice to make sure my family makes it to heaven will they sacrifice let me see alright hang with me right here fourth question he asked is will they make an end in a day I had to look this up. I ain't that smart. It made no sense to me. You talking about end of the day, I'm clocking out going home. But the word end right here means a place of escape. Right. Refuge. Yeah. 
In other words, are they going to make a place not only for their children, but a place that anybody can find refuge in? It's easy for you to build a place for your children and make sure they're in a good church. But is your church willing to open the door to anybody that's wanting to walk through it? You've got to understand something about the cities of refuge that was set up in the Old Testament. When God spoke to Moses and Aaron and told them to set up the six cities of refuge, this was the purpose of them, that if you accidentally killed somebody, if blood was on your hands by accident, you could run into those cities of refuge and you could find safety. You could find peace. There was a perfect order, and I'm going to hurry through this real quick because this isn't my message, but, but there was a perfect order in the, in the cities of refuge. The priest's job was not to pamper people. The priest's job in the city of refuge was to stand at the door, preach the word, and hear the plea, and open the door. (laughs) In the nicest way I can say it, give your man of God space that he can open the door for other people. Pastor ain't shook my hand in three services. Ooh, let me move on. I got to be here Wednesday night. The people's place in the city of refuge. Contrary to popular belief was not to judge who the preacher let in the door. But the people's place was to love them and protect them and to wrap them in their arms and tell them, you're safe here. Your place is to love people enough that they don't want to leave. You may be seated. The reason why we've got to love them so much that they don't want to leave. Because the fleer's job in the city was to stay there. Because if he walked out, he was free game. His life was immediately in jeopardy. There's nothing the preacher could do. There's nothing the saint could do. He was free game. What in the world, church family, are we doing that men and women would rather walk out with a bounty on their head than to stay in the church and be loved by the saints of God? We've got to make sure that there's a place of refuge for somebody. I'm going to throw this in and move on. That person 
to stay in the city of refuge until the high priest that was in, in position at that time died. The only thing that could atone the blood was when the high priest died. Understand something. When Jesus came, he was our high priest. He was our sacrifice. And because he died, life, liberty, and holiness is for every single person that will come in the house. We've got to have a place. We've got to have an end. We've got to have a refuge for somebody. Let me see Fifth question that was asked. Will they revive the stones? Are they going to take what's been broken? Are they going to take what's been destroyed and rebuild it? And if they do, how are they going to do it? <laughs> Go with me to the side of Mount Carmel. Where Elijah's standing by himself with 850 false prophets that for hours on end have been crying, cutting themselves, chanting, trying to make something happen. And when nothing happens, they tear down the altar, destroy it. And now Elijah says, okay, let me show you how to build an altar. Let me show you how to put stones back up the way they're supposed to go. You ready for this? He said, let me show you how to do it. He said, the first thing I'm going to do is build it. The second thing I'm going to do is kill the sacrifice. In other words, let's, let's put a modern day term on it. He said, I'm going to repent the sacrifice. I'm going to slay it. And I'm going to let the blood run all over the altar. And then when I've killed the sacrifice, I want you to bring me some water. When I have repented the sacrifice, bring me to the water. And I'm not just going to sprinkle it. I'm not just going to dab it a little bit, but bring me as much water as you can get a hold of because I'm about to baptize this thing. And when he killed it, and when he baptized it, he stepped back, raised his hands, and said, God, you send the fire. You want to know how we're going to rebuild this city and how we're going to reach this city? It's not going to be on some modern day wave of theology. It's not going to be on some new wave of ministry. It's not going to be on some new technology. But the only way we're going to build this city that God wants built is through repentance, through baptism in Jesus' name, in the infilling of the Holy Ghost. If we can get Acts 2.38 to our community, then we're going to see a city erected unto the kingdom of God. And we're going to see souls born.
Musicians are coming. You can be seated. Musicians, just come on. Watch this now. Nehemiah 4 and 6. Nehemiah 4 and 6. So built we the wall. And all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof. For the people had a mind to work. But it came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped. Brother, if you could take me back to Nehemiah 4 and 1. Watch this now. But it came to pass that when Sembalat heard that we built the walls, he was wroth. Now go back to verse number 6, or verse number 7. But it came to pass that when Sembalat, Tobiah, and all these people heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped. They wasn't just wroth. Isn't it amazing that the adversary may get mad when you start out? But what happens when God's people begin to get to a point where the breaches (laughs) and the repairs are being made and the enemy's being stopped and the standard's being raised? They become very wroth and very upset. But guess what? By that time, it's too late. It's time for First Apostolic Church to get to the point where we're not just at a foundation anymore, but we're going to start building the walls and stopping the breaches. Stand with me tonight. Verse number 8. And conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. Understand that the devil is going to fight. One of my pastor's favorite sayings. When God starts blessing. The devil starts messing. He is going to fight. Nehemiah 4 and 9. Nevertheless, Satan's going to fight you. He's going to detour you. But nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God and set a watch against them day and night. You've got to watch and you've got to pray because God has called you to build a city. And when they come against them, the Bible said they would work with one hand and fight with the other. Understand something. God has put something on the inside of you as a human being that he didn't give to any other being on the face of the earth. And it's the ability to work and to fight. 
work and to fight. And on the inside of you lies a special gift that no other creature has. And that is prayer. Never will you find where God ever one time said if you won't pray, the rocks will pray. He said, I'll call the cause the rocks to cry out in worship. But I've put something on the inside of you that you can lift up your hands right now. You can begin to call on the name of Jesus. And every devil in hell will begin to tremble. I wish somebody would lift your hands up right now. I wish somebody would begin to call on the name of the Lord. Oh, Jesus, you have something special on the inside of you. You are a city. You are a fortress. You are a mighty man, a mighty woman of God. You have the ability to tear down kingdoms in this place. But I'm asking you, are you willing to make sure that there's going to be a city? Oh, as they begin to play right now, I wish somebody would step out of your seat, make your way to an altar, and exercise that gift that God has given to you, and begin to cry out to Him, begin to pray, God, make me a city. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's F-A-C-M-C. Thank you and have a blessed day.